You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey guys, it's Josh. Uh, Joe is working on new Ice Nine Kills music, so he's not with me on this intro. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, my experience getting the COVID vaccine. Um, just hoping that maybe it would convince, um, convince you to, to rethink if you've, um, been hesitant to, to get it. Um, I have a couple of underlying conditions that, um, probably would have made COVID worse had I gotten it. Uh, so I got the vaccine as soon as I could. Um, but I think at this point, most states have it opened up for, um, everyone 16 and up to get the vaccine. Um, so if that's the case, um, I just wanted to tell you, um, go get it. Um, you know, I, I got my second, uh, dose of the Pfizer vaccine on April 1st, I believe. Um, and, um, I know there, there's been talk of, um, you know, side effects and stuff like that. Um, and you know, it's different for every person, but I just wanted to, um, kind of give you guys the rundown of how it went for me. Um, cause there, there really was no, no drawback to it for me. Um, first shot I got it and my arm was sore the day after, um, that, that was about it for that one. Um, and then whatever it was, two, three weeks later, um, I went to get the second one and I prepared, um, for the worst because, you know, some people, um, got pretty felt sick, uh, the day after the second one. Um, and I was totally fine. I woke up the next morning, um, obviously the sore arm, um, which is not really much of a big deal. Um, and I had kind of a headache, but I just took some Tylenol and we were good. No fever, no chills, nothing. So, um, I, I felt perfectly fine, um, after both. Um, and you know, regardless of that, you know, um, even if you do feel kind of crappy the day after the second shot, you know, it's like, I, I would say it's worth it, um, for, um, everything that this vaccine means. Um, and as I've been doing research, um, I've, I've kind of come up with two big reasons that I think, um, you guys would, would really relate with, um, two reasons that I think you should get the vaccine. Um, the first one is that it protects other people. Um, you know, if you get the vaccine, 
um, you can still spread the virus to people. Um, but the point is that if enough people get vaccinated, um, we develop the herd immunity and COVID is, you know, not as big of a deal anymore. And we can go back to life before pandemic. And I think we all want that. I, I mean, you know, there's, there's obviously been good things to come out of it, but I think we're all ready to get back to living a normal life, um, without, you know, all, all of the, all of the things that COVID has brought. And the other reason is, um, especially, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I would say you're probably a fan of live music. Like that's, that's what we talk about here is music and touring. And, um, that's kind of the, the whole thing behind our podcast. Um, and I think that it's important to mention that, um, most of the concerts that have been popping up, um, are requiring band, uh, crew and audience to be vaccinated to attend. And I know that, um, a lot of the tours coming up, that's, that's just going to be the standard is you're going to be required to be vaccinated to go to the shows. And I think for most people listening here, that alone would make it worth it. You know, that's, that's, one thing we all have in common is we love live music. The people playing them want to get back to it. The people that watch want to get back to it. It's, it's just a great thing. And we've missed out on a lot of that, um, with the pandemic. So with that, I just want to encourage you if you are hesitant or afraid of getting the vaccine, it's, it's, it's safe. It's safe and it's going to do so many good things um, if we all do our part and get this vaccine. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to um, do whatever I can to, um, you know, kind of just put it out there that um, you can trust this and it's a good thing. And with that, um, I think I'm just going to send it off to Joe. Um, Today, he's talking with Dan Jacobs from Atreyu. Uh, This is a real good interview, um, and I think you guys are really going to like this episode. Um, Thanks for bearing with me through this intro. I haven't done much of this before, so um, thank you. And uh, with that, it's off to Joe and Dan. Dan Jacobs of Atreyu. Dan, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a, a nice treat. Yeah, it's nice to actually have uh, contact with people 
um, you know, not without masks on. <laughs> and so yeah. I feel like now every time I talk to someone, I never know how they're reacting to things because I can't see their face. Yeah. They almost uh, need like emoji masks or something like that. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I know it's, uh, where, where are you, right? Are you in, uh, California? Yeah. Yeah. I live yeah. out in Corona, California. Okay, cool. So we're, we're nearby each other, but, um, so I know it's semi early ish. I'm an early riser, but, um, yeah. So thanks for coming on in the morning with me. Yeah. Um, no worries. Yeah. How's everything going today? Good, good. I'm uh, just getting uh, ready for a, a little writing session I'm doing uh, after this, you know, which is uh, nice. always really exciting. Yep, I have the same thing right after this too. So nice. there you go. Yeah, um, I love it. How have you been? Uh, is that what you guys have been doing like this whole quarantine, just hunkering down and writing and stuff? Um, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I outside of doing music, uh, I have a couple businesses that I run with my brother. Um, that are all in like the, um, uh, branded merchandising world. Um, so, um, via all that stuff, like that's pretty much what I've been doing most of the time outside of, you know, occasionally we, uh, we did record a record, uh, recently as well, but it was kind of spread out a little bit thinner, um, across, uh, 2020 instead of kind of just knocking it all out in one shot, just because of the, you know, the nature of the beast. Um, but yeah, I yeah mean, let's uh, talk about it while you just brought it up. Um, sure. So like I, we're actually doing the same thing with our album and it's been a pretty gratifying experience, to be honest, to be able to kind of spread it out and really yeah. take our time and doing stuff. Have yeah. you had a similar experience <clears throat> with that? Yeah. So with our last record that we did in our wake with that we also did with John Feldman, who did this most recent record, Baptize. Um, mm-hmm. we wrote half the record, you know, we came in and just sat down we, we write in the studio, you know, just so we can kind of grab stuff in the moment and, um, you know, and got about half of the album done and then we sat on it for months and then came back and wrote the other half. And which I think is really awesome about that as we came to learn, which I'm sure is one of the reasons why you enjoyed is that you get to sit on those, t- those songs for a little while and let them breathe and, and, and really dissect them, you know, and, hear those things that sometimes you don't until like months later be like, man, I wish I would have played that riff different or like, oh, that melody should have gone down there instead of up. Yeah. Like it's going to kind of bug me now. And, uh, sometimes it's, you know, it, if you just knock it yeah. all out in one shot and just, you know, it ends up going to print and it's ready to go. You're like, oh man, like I, I, you know, there's, I didn't get what I really, really wanted out of that. Whereas taking the time to, you know, come back to it later. And then also when, you know, writing stuff, you know, the rest of the record, um, you kind of already know where like, you know, you like or don't like about what you've started with instead of just, you know, getting it all done in one shot again and being like, all right, this is it. You know, there's, there's uh, I don't know that you just, there's digestion process to the whole thing that I think is really important right, and, right, uh, yeah. you know, helpful. Yeah. I also found it cool to be like, you know, just taking space away from something that you've written and then you know, I get so wrapped up in whatever I'm working on that I won't listen or hear it for a few months. And this just happened to me the other day. It's like going back and listening to a song. And, you know, while there are a lot of those times where I'm like, damn, I wish I had done that differently. Let's go back and retrack. Um, there's a lot of times where I'm like, holy shit, that was sick. Like, I don't yeah. remember feeling that stoked about that either. And there's like this super gratifying and it's almost like, I don't know, anytime I've put out an album, there's always been this kind of like, panic right before it happens being like am am i sure everything's done here like do i really you know what i mean but having the space and the time uh and just feeling way you know i guess more secure about it um 
if yeah. it like really pleases you in that moment. It's been great. Yeah. I mean, different experiences. Um, yeah. Even with um, like coming up with ideas, you know, for, for writing and whatnot, like I use voice notes on my phone. I'm sure most people mm -hmm. have some sort of, you know, I got this idea and you know, I, let me go record this real quick or sing it to my phone or jam it real quick or whatever, just so I can save it. And um, it's same kind of experience, like you were saying, where you, you, you know, comes time to write and I've just been compiling notes over time and you know, I'll just, you know, just so I have enough to, I can come back and jump on it again later. And, uh, it's refreshing going back and listening to a lot of these voice notes for the first time. And you get to hear them like with a fresh yeah. ear. Cause some of them, you don't really remember that well. So when you hear them, you're like, hey, it's almost like you're a new person hearing the song for the first time. And you can feel like how that song yeah. actually will hit somebody else, you know? So uh, you sometimes they're good. And sometimes you're like, yeah. you know, these are, this is terrible. I'm deleting this immediately. But uh, right, yeah, right. it's cool. It's cool. It's a, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's super helpful. <laughs> it's that's the other side of it for yeah. sure. Yeah. I've had moments where I've been like, why the fuck did we spend time writing this? Like yeah. I remember spending oh, yeah. a full day and this is garbage. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I yeah, think those are good. they're funny times too. It's kind of morale booster anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about the new album while we're on it. So, so you have a new album coming out this year, June, June right? 4th. I know we usually talk about this stuff at the end, but this feels like an appropriate time to do it. Sure. Um, so, so June 4th, uh, it's baptized, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, recorded with Feldman. I've heard both the two new singles that came out. Um, they're fucking sick. Two Thank very you. like not contrasting sounds, but like definitely different vibes in each yeah. one. Um, yeah. So like what, what led you to that sound? Let's talk about like why those two songs, I know this is your first album without Alex, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was that like? How has that transition been going in to record this album and, and finding these sounds and everything? Um, I mean, with every record, we're always, you know, we're not like an ACDC or something like that, where like every record right. just sounds like ACDC every time. Like we want to right, always right. be reinventing ourselves and, and just, you know, trying new things. And um, at the same time, always just trying to sound huge, you know, like we want to sound like a record should be, you know, performed in an arena you know as far as just like that like yeah. you know Definitely Def Leppard or yeah you know like even with you know some you know whether it be group vocal parts or even just the ambiance that's created around each instrument to like collectively make it feel just huge you know like that's something that's you know we're always trying to uh, get out of what we're doing um I think too mm -hmm. it's always really important for us with an album to take people on a journey you know, we don't want it to be like every song kind of has the same sound yeah. or feel. We want everything to kind of just be its own thing. But it's, at the same time, it all makes sense collectively. Um, so, yeah, getting to, uh, right. you know, you know, getting to, you know, do stuff, especially without Alex for the first time. Um, you know, it was a it's a slightly different experience, you know, for us, you know, especially because we've been with him, you know, for 20 plus years. Um, but it right, also right. Is, did you kind of have to like readjust how you approach writing and stuff with like it is it like losing someone that that's been around for that long how how difficult is that to kind of push forward um fortunately for us and what we have within our band um without alex even there um we have a group of dudes that are multi you know instrumental talented and vocally talented to where mm -hmm. you know we can cover every ground that we need covered and still sound yeah you know like yeah. a treyu um 
you know, we have Porter, our bass right. player, Porter. He's got a brutal scream. It's um, been since he joined the band. The first record that he ever recorded with us was a death grip, a death grip on yesterday in 2006. Mm-hmm. And his vocals are sprinkled all over mm-hmm. that record, as well as a lot of times we used his voice to back up Alex to kind of thicken things up and make it sound even more oh, brutal. Cool. Nice. Uh, so, you know, with that I'm being a said, huge fan of that when you can hear the different dynamics of vocalists all over stuff. I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a cool vibe, especially live, you know, hearing everybody's like personal flavor coming out. Um, and for us, you know, right. Brandon's always been, a, you know, the majority singer in our band. You know, I mean, Alex kind of would scream on the verses and stuff here and there. But um, Brandon's kind of been the one that's already mostly taken the reins. So doing this transition where it's basically just Brandon has to step up just a little bit more. And then Porter steps in wherever we would normally say have Alex in certain scenarios or there's even parts where I sing uh, lead vocals on a couple uh, parts of a song um, on the song called Stay, which is a, kind of like a more of a, I don't know, a ballad song. It's it's slower-ish, but um, just uh-huh. just trying, just That's trying cool. to do, again, stuff where like when Alex was in the band, a lot of these things were not really things we'd even try um, just because we didn't want to make anybody uncomfortable or we wanted to just make sure that everybody was right. getting what and, they you needed. Know, you had a routine. Yeah, we had a routine. We've been doing it for a while. So with this time, um, you know, with Alex not being involved um, with um, the majority of it, he did help with the lyrics. He was uh, involved a little bit with some of the lyrics um, with the oh, first, like, yeah, nice. yeah. So he's not completely gone, but his sonically, he's not on the album at all. You won't hear him hear him on the album Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's i don't know it just kind of gave us this like this opportunity where we're like all right you know what let's try everything that we've never tried before you know let's let's kind of push ourselves a little bit more because like we do have this void to fill but we want to fill it in a different way we want to do something Mm -hmm. that's refreshing um and more grand than we've ever done so uh we have a song for instance on the the uh it's the first song on the album um, it's called strange powers of prophecy. And what's really interesting about that song is that the lyrics in the song are completely made from taking a line from every song on the album. And then the song itself, um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, the song itself is, um, it's, it's essentially, it's mostly vocals, you know, it's just this big like introduction thing where we, we go through the different lyrics throughout the song, the, the album to kind of collectively put it together. And it's got everybody in our band singing on it. I mean, even like tr- our guitar player, Travis, who just so doesn't cool. sing ever, but we're like, dude, get in there. Like, let's, let's get everybody's voice on here. We want it to, we want people to hear all of us and feel all of us, you know, and not just kind of layers that of the rules. same person singing over and over or something, you know? Um, so stuff like that, where it's uh-huh. just, it's That's just, so uh, sick it's super cool vibe. It's just, it's, it's the stuff that kind of, it makes you think, you know, when you, when it's one of those things, like most people, like if you don't explain that to them, they're going to go through the record and they won't even notice until they, if they listen to it enough times, they'll start noticing they're hearing lyrics, you know, in the first song or like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that line in that other song or whatever? I'm a huge fan of that, that like Easter egg stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The the whole first song is just, is is Easter egg essentially. So stuff like that. Like we've, that's we, I don't know. Sick. We just wouldn't have done that before. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know if everybody would have been collectively comfortable with doing that. So, you know, we did it and it's uh it's just, right. it's cool. It's, it sounds epic as hell. And um, yeah, it just, it brings a really That's refreshing great. vibe. I, I'm super excited and man, you're getting me kind of hyped to uh, listen to the whole thing now. <laughs> Dude, it's, That's it's sick. a, you know, 
for an Atreyu album, I mean, like I said, every record sounds different. You know, they all have their own vibes to them. And this mm-hmm. one out of all of them has probably one of the most like grand vibes out of, of any record we've done. Uh, we even did some co-writing on this one with some huge names. Um, even Mark Hoppus from Blink-182 um, came and did a couple songs wow. with us. Um, we, like getting to work with like, this is the first time we really brought in outside writers to collaborate with like we don't have people write our songs that's not really the vibe but like you know just having another person in the room to kind of bring ideas to the table that you might not have thought of which can off the back of that send you spiraling into a totally new awesome direction that you never would have tried before or something so it's right it's it's a really cool vibe and and at the same time too like if you don't like working with someone the song doesn't come out the way you like it you don't have to use it so you just kind of just try it's almost like dating or something like that you just go date a whole bunch of people and you know, see which what comes out of it that's cool or not, and um, that was another right. thing we tried on this I'm record. I'm a huge and, fan of co-writing. Yeah, it's something we never we've you know for the longest time our band just wrote our songs like nobody wrote for us ever. We, we were like we wrote our lyrics, yeah. we wrote our music, and we were self-produced for the most part up until John Feldman in 2007 did our Lead Sales Paper Anchor record. Like we worked with, excuse me, we worked with producers, mm-hmm. but like they weren't producing us in in the sense of like altering the songs. I mean. The album, The Curse, we wrote and recorded. Yeah, they were just engineering, right? Essentially, you know, like, I mean, like, like the, the record, The Curse, we'd completely written it front to back, put it in song order and demoed the whole thing out, turned that into the producer. And he was like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Let's just record that. You know, and we, we did pre-production with him, but it was, there wasn't really any changes being made. It was maybe like, Hey, at this part here, instead of being like, dun, 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 be like, dun, 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 you know, kind of have more of a build up to it or something, you know, just little right. things like that. Other than that, the songs are like, I wish we still had those demos somewhere because it's, um, you know, it's really neat to be able to just you know, play that, people. That doesn't surprise me at all that you guys are like that kind of band because I feel like bands that last, like you guys have had a great career already and it's still like very active and shit. Um, and like, I feel like the bands that can do that, that last are bands that are capable of like self-sustaining by themselves even if like not to say that you know it's not valuable to have those other people involved but the bands that last are capable of operating running their own band and not skipping a beat without those collaborators too at least the way i see it i mean i don't feel like a lot of bands that last more than 10 years have that you know yeah it's it's i mean when you look at a lot of the most signature bands you know they're they're just, it's a group of guys that just have a vibration and a connection and, and also an ability to, to write. I mean, like, you know, Blink-182, for example, since we've been collaborating with them, you know, um, a lot on this album, uh, they're totally a band that just has this very unique flavor that a lot of people have copied and, and, and emulated and done their own versions of, and uh, they're very successful at it. Um, and it's, it's a lot of, because they do just kind of do their own thing and they're not, there's not people coming in and trying to be like, hey, this is how you write a hit song. I mean, at some point you could see right. in their career, they went in with producers and cleaned everything up a little bit more and probably had someone kind of help organize their ideas. But, um, you know, they have that flavor. Right. You know? They actually and, said, I think one time it was, it, it just turned into less of being like trying to play fast and more of trying to sound good. I yeah. remember someone saying that in an interview with them. Yeah. Like there's, there's, I mean, it's the same experience that we had the first time we worked with John Feldman. We did our album, Lead Sales Paper Anchor which that album for mm-hmm. us was like a huge turning point, like a lot of fans. It was like our black album to an extent for like Metallica. Like it's the biggest album we've ever had so far. And it's, 
the one that like was the most controversial, like our diehard fans were like, what the hell is this? This isn't some trade. You guys, you sold out the whole shebang, you know? And it's like, whatever, you know, like we don't care. We, we just want to do what we like doing, you know, we don't give a shit, you know, it's, right, it's, right. It, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, you know, like people were so angry about that record and we sold more copies of that than any record we've ever done so far. So we're like, you know what? It, it worked. I think you I know? bought that album. I'm pretty sure I did. That's awesome. Well, I'm thank like you. I'm fairly it's, certain I went and bought that album. Yeah. I mean, streaming our, our number two highest, number two and number three most streamed songs ever are, are um, on that record. Even our, in our top 10 on um, streaming, four songs off that record are in the top 10. Um, so it, it just. You know, it's funny. I was just talking about this this morning with my roommate. I was like, all these, you know, because I, I, people are, this a new A Day to Remember album, for example. You know, there's a lot of fans that don't love it right now, but I am like, I, I bet that album is going to be like a classic. This album is going to be a classic for them. It just takes some people some time to like adjust to their favorite bands, you know, yeah. change in style or, or just change in focus for that album or whatever. It's not even yeah. like a change in style. It takes time, but like those, those albums, like even like another example is like pretty odd from Panic at the Disco. Yeah, people fucking hated that album when it came out, but now all the old like OG Panic fans love it. That's everyone's favorite. Yeah, it's it's you know it, every big band you know for the most part, not all of them. You get, like you said, you get the ACDCs out there that just sound right. the way they sound. You know, but if you look at even like in the pop world, like um, Madonna, for instance, you know Madonna is someone who's kind of had to shift her sound and her look. You know, all the you know over the decades, you know she's been around for so long. She's had to constantly alter the way she does things, and it's like she's always relevant because of it. You know, she always sounds relevant. It doesn't sound like this dated band trying to put a song out. We're like, ah, that doesn't belong on the radio right now. That doesn't really right. fit in with anything. You know, mm -hmm. like there has to be, you know, like when, you know, I was, um, you know, I was actually talking to a um, Danny Wimmer the other day who, who, you know, is, you know, big time um, yeah. concert promoting stuff. And we were talking about merchandising stuff. And he was talking about how, when you do designs for stuff like that, um, you want to constantly each year scooting forward just a little bit as far as, the, the look and the vibe, you know, cause you, you want fans to come in and feel like that's their style, but you also want to push them forward stylistically and make them fashion forward mm -hmm. and not keep doing the same skull right, shirt yeah. over and over and over again or something, you know, like you kind of have to guide them a little bit and you have to do the same. I, you know, when I heard him say that, it made me think of like music, you know, cause the same thing too, stylistically for a band, if you yeah. want to change, you have to kind of do it a little bit over each album. Um, whereas if you just kind of, you know, you, you're a super heavy band and the next day you put out a, a ska record people are gonna be like what the hell is this this is completely completely <laughs> a different that. band Ice you know Nine did that opposite you know yeah yeah Ice so Nine it's started uh, as a ska band back in like they really? 2000 that's great yeah that's awesome yeah. you guys should bring so some of that back dude i love this too but <laughs> i do too i love it well i mean we had less than jake on the last album so we're getting oh, really there. were they doing like some horns and mm -hmm. stuff on there or is uh yeah, and it is the end. All the horns in that are less than Jake. And whenever we we've done it, oh, we've actually only done it once. When we play, last time we played L.A., the horn section of Real Big Fish played with us for that song. Oh, nice. Was that um, yeah, was Ryan? No, he wasn't there. It was God. Why am I Johnny and God? I don't even remember. It might have been. See, Ryan. That was a, that was a blur. I, L.A. shows are always fucking insane for me. Yeah. I can't, yeah. 
uh, Ryan was the one that uh, engineered all of Led Zell's Paper Acre and played all the horns on, oh, really? on that album. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, wait. Yeah, he was there. That's right. He's got he he's got there. a little beard. He's kind of a shorter guy. Yep, yep. I I'm, I just couldn't. A mohawk. Him. I think he's got a mohawk. Yep. It was a blast. That was really fun. Yeah. Um, how was it? So with a lot of co-writes, um, Blink-182, that's fucking sick, by the way. I know you have Travis on the album as well. Which yeah, is he's playing. Warrior. He's playing. Uh, like to to work with those guys, they want to keep things kind of separate, you know, because like they're both hot tickets. Everybody wants to to work with them, you know. So they don't, but they don't want to have an album where it's like, you know, four songs. Two of them are featuring Mark from Bleakwood Eighty Two, and then they're also featuring Travis from Bleakwood right, Eighty Two, right. and they also got you know Matt Skiba's on here and Tom DeLonge. Why not? Right, he's on right, here right, too, right. and and yeah. it just gets a little bit weird, you know. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah. we you have to pick the and choose your battles. Friends. Exactly, and then I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and on all these people too. I mean, a lot of it's just because these people are in Feldman's back pocket. You know, like he works with them. He's been recording Blink for a while uh, for the last couple albums, as well as yeah. Travis Barker lives in his neighborhood, so or down and the street. They all or like something. live in the same neighborhood, don't they? Yeah, yeah so I think he's, he lives across the street. Yeah, some some are real close. So he's you know when you're recording with yeah. Feldman, like there's always really talented famous people that are just popping in and out randomly like you'll you'll be in the middle of a session yeah, and john will just pop in and, and be like, hey, really guys. good coffee <laughs> always good coffee i yeah. love and also the the smell of that studio is amazing he's got he that, some kind of scent in there that like it's some just decadent so, candle it's the best it's delicious yeah yeah it's the best <laughs> yeah it, it's a vibe so good i mean when you, vibes. when you write when you write with feldman he's he's got this just energy um this vibration that just is so good for being creative and um just the way he connects with people and stuff i mean he just he set up a whole bunch of different writers for us i mean people all across the board that some of them have never even written with a metal band before which we love because like we have mm-hmm. so much melody in our music we want even sometimes a pop element brought in um, or even a yeah. dude that like, yeah. um, uh, what's his name? Eric, uh, oh man, I can't remember his last name right now, but, um, uh, he's a songwriter. Um, uh, we worked with, he did, um, he used to be an Evanescence. He was the keyboard player and he wrote a lot of that stuff uh, on their first record. Um, mm-hmm. and he is now like a huge, like lives in Nashville songwriter guy. He, he wrote all the, uh, you know, the, the Christ, uh, Christina Perry stuff uh like uh jar of hearts yeah. and like thousand yeah. years those like super you hear it like everybody's wedding super huge songs he wrote those songs yeah yeah so he's that guy like he's oh, like cool. just a powerhouse That's songwriter cool. so we did we did a couple songs with him i think we got one that we ended up putting on the record that we did with him that's kind of like one of the slower songs on the record but i mean it's just like as soon as he comes in and yeah, puts yeah. his flavor in there and then you also had mark hoppus involved with that song and john feldman so like with all these dudes That's just like, kind of just sprinkling wow. their sauce on on what we're doing, it's like, man, this is so huge sounding. It's it's uh it's exciting. That's great, and it's cool yeah. when someone's able to like take your vision and add their own flair to it too. You know, instead of yeah. just like taking it over. Yeah, Those I mean, I remember songwriters. I remember the 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 first time we even just collaborated with Feldman back in two thousand seven. Like we again, we never had a producer touch us before, um, so we were kind of, you know, we'd come in the way we normally do. We just demo out a bunch of songs. We're just kind of like, maybe they had some singing on it a little bit here and there, but it was mostly just like, a, mm-hmm. just a song with just music, just riffing and whatever, and some drums and stuff. And we'd bring him in and he would just dissect these songs and be like, all right, this part right here, this should be the main riff. This part, we're going to put this over here in the bridge. And we're like, what are you doing? Like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? And we, he'd put it all together. And when we'd like jam it out, we're like, oh, wow, that, that does make a lot more sense. We never thought about it like that before. 
or that just changed yeah. our whole, yeah. it, changed, it just changed our I whole mean, way of looking at songs, you know, like it just changed us forever. Like we can never go back. Like it just forever. We like look at songs so differently. And we also, we, because of what he taught us, we saw what we were already doing that was making us successful as well as what we could do even more mm-hmm. so to make us even more successful. Um, and just be better songwriters. Yeah. You know, a lot of it, I, a lot I, of it was song structure. With Feldman, just... Yeah. And I like nerd out on that shit. Like, it's just so interesting to me, especially like the way I think about music is, is very much like a math problem. Like I overanalyze everything. Like I will, I will break it down to such like a molecular level and like a certain yeah. part and hearing other people that are like, that can, that do that. Like, even like with themselves, like when, I don't know, when I watch Feldman work, you know, when he sits at the computer and then he just like kind of closes his eyes and looks up and then he's just like, it looks like he's just doing problems in his head, but he's just figuring out some cadence and stuff. Yeah. Like that's the shit. Like I love watching people do that stuff. It's, it's yeah. like inspiring, you know? Yeah. Or it was really cool. Like, um, you know, being in the studio on this last album, having like, even like, again, like Mark Hoppus or any of these yeah. other guys we'd work with, they, you know, they'd have an idea and be like, oh, because like, the way it's set up and at Feldman's like, you can just jump right into the booth and just lay down something real quick just to, you know, document an idea. And uh, we'd have moments where like Mark, you know, would be like, oh, like I have an, I have a melody idea for this, like a cadence that we should do for this verse, like, um, as well as, you know, we've been working on some lyrics together. So he's like, you know, let me pop in there real quick. And he'll go in there and just lay stuff down. And it's like, mm-hmm. as soon as he opens his mouth, you're like, wow, like you're, you're so you, you know, like you're so like yeah. the way he does Doesn't things. It, you, so... Don't you just want to keep him on there? It's like, yeah, I even just want the gold finger yeah. guy on the album. And that's, <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 you know, have Mark Hoppus's voice on there, you know, like it's like, I have, you know, tucked mm-hmm. away on my mm-hmm. phone, I have, you know, recordings of him doing this and it's just for our own personal, like, wow, this is just cool. Like it's, it's just like, right. it's Mark Hoppus singing an Atreyu song and it's just, it's just he sounds like it doesn't sound like some other person because he because it's on our record. It just sounds like Mark Hoppus singing on a Trey song, and it's really neat, you know, um, to experience stuff like that. You know, just yeah. growing up being fans of a band like that and and having so much respect for them and and how successful they've become doing something so punk. You know, is is um, it's really inspiring. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. it's so cool watching. I mean, I remember even like getting. Feldman is always such a cool one to me because I remember seeing him like and all these bands like I don't remember bands used to put out like little documentary DVDs with their CDs and stuff and he was always in them like as just the guy that everyone wanted to work with and I remember like in the story of the year DVD they were like helping him build his basement studio or something I don't remember but you know like it and now going to his place now and having this like beautiful spot where he's just like rolling just rolling through hits he's got like awards yeah. all everywhere it's just so cool you know yeah it's, it's that progression yeah i mean it, it, for him i mean it, a lot of it you know obviously he had the success with goldfinger but like you know his his the catalyst that really set him off was doing the used and story of the year the, their first yeah. records really and he did I mean, like, like hillary duff around that time too yeah didn't he? in in good charlotte yeah you know so those he had his hands up in it and like he proved himself very quickly you know that he's really talented mm-hmm. and just recorded some of the most, you know, classic records of the, of that time for that genre of music, you know, they're yeah. time, they're great albums to this day. They're so great to listen to. And, um, you know, his, yeah. his, uh, his journey quickly led him, you know, next thing you know, he was at his house in, in Bel Air where we did our lead sales paper anchor record. And every single one of his houses, he's got this beautiful studio built into the house, um, which is super smart. Cause it's a, a tax write off. I went to that one too. It was cool. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah. they're all cool. I mean, like it's uh, did you go to the one um the one in head of Wood, Woodland Hills for a little bit? It was like um, I didn't know. I didn't. It was know that it was one. um it was on like a flat lot, and he had um the house was like at the back, and then there was another building that was separate, um that was just oh, like studio. No, room. you know what? That's the one I did go to. Yeah, oh, okay. that's the one I did go to. I I didn't go to the Bel Air one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Bel Air. Uh, the Bel Air one was nice too, but I mean, out of I mean, out of all of them, this one, the one he's in right now, is pretty sweet. Like it's, uh, you know, it's it's, it's, it's the most it's beautiful in the way his layout and stuff. I think is like the most efficient as far as um, mm-hmm. you know, he's he has a four car garage that he turned completely into a studio, uh, which is it's just gorgeous and the location's yeah. really remote and it's just cool, man. He's he's uh he's good at what he does yeah. and it's uh it's you know an honor to get to work for the guy. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you guys have done it for so long. Uh, you know, you probably have a great rapport. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of the album. Um, yeah. You have some other collabs on here too with uh, Matt Heafy and Jacoby. Uh, oh yeah, were those That's guys right. like you really sought out, and we're just kind of like we need them on the album. Yeah, with every album, especially more recently, we've been starting to reach out to people more and more, and just trying to get other flavors on there. You know, and it like, kind of like, and it's the same thing. It's like the hip hop world. You know, like when you the more you take two like artists uh, in one way or another and you put them together in collaboration, you're going to grab fans from both departments that are going to want to hear this, you know, and, and uh, it really helps, you know, with getting your song out there more and helps with album sales. It helps with just building your, your band and your brand um, and showing how versatile you it's can be. It's fun too. It's super fun. You know, like getting to work with super talented yeah. people is like the coolest thing ever. That's one of the biggest perks about having success in the music world is like you kind of move up these tiers of, success and then when you get to those tiers it like opens up the door to this whole other world of other successful people that are down to work with you and it just it's so stimulating because like if you if you're already decent at it yourself and you get to collaborate with these people you're like man this is like so awesome and compared to like jamming with like you know you're just buddy down the street or something like that who's like okay you know but he's your friend and you know, he plays right. guitar so you'll jam with them you know but when you get to work with like actual talent like it just brings it's so inspiring and it brings so much out of you and you learn so much from it and <laughs> Yeah, it's really neat. I mean, uh, yeah, you know so, I mean, also interesting about it. Like when I was younger, it was like I was in high school, not touring or anything. And I remember being like, I'm I'm like good enough to play the, these songs. Like I can play this stuff and I all my friends can like we can like we can do this. And I went on that way for like four or five years playing with the same people. Then I started touring with my old band and it's like, holy shit, like yeah, these guys can play this shit, but it's not difficult for them and they don't have to practice and everything is super tight. And not only yeah. that, there's like just this other level of professionalism outside yeah. of the playing um, that's just so apparent when you just, even at that minor level of touring that I was doing at that time, it was just like, there are like absolute tears of shit going on. And yeah. then from joining Ice Nine, again, it was like almost a culture shock, which is how things were run and who was around and all of that shit. Like just seeing how good like every singer is on tour. It's like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, someone like, you know, Jacoby, especially, you know, mm. he's, you know, I grew up, you know, he's listening to Pop Roach. He's such a talented dude and has such yeah. like a, an incredible energy to him. And like when he, I mean, when he, he puts 110% to everything that he does. So like, if he's going to go on your song, like he's going to go all out on that shit. And it's, it's yeah. so cool to hear it. And, um, it was a song, you know, for us, it was a song we already had written and we just wanted to get some people on some songs just to change up the vibe a little bit. 
Um, and we were, we were thinking like, man, Jacoby's somebody that we've been trying to get for a little while. And, uh, there just happened to be a, a situation where they were, I think they were here local writing and our, our and, uh, Brandon, our singer, um, was hanging out with him and, and the guys and somehow it just came up with, you know, where Jacoby was like, yo, like, let me get on that album, man. Let me get on a song. So we were like, all right, that would be awesome. Actually. Let's, this is perfect yeah, timing. You I know? Think, so like, yeah, they were the last band we were touring with before, uh, pandemic that's right. hit. And he, uh, he is like for, for, for a guy that's been, you know, going hard since the nineties and, arguably has written one of the most iconic rock songs of all time right yeah. he is like the nicest most down-to-earth dude like he has got one of the nicest people i've ever met in the music industry yeah he's just such a great guy i loved touring with him and yeah he's great. yeah he's you could he deserves his success you know what i mean he, he really uh he, he earns the shit out of it and uh you know it's um for us like this the song that we picked to have him on is like a you know i guess the vibe of it it's um, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's very like anthem. Like it's, it's, uh, we call it, you know, it's sync worthy, you know, it's a song you're going to hear like at football games or something, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's very like, kind of like, I wanted um, to ask you about that. Um, um, cause I, I'm a huge NHL fan. Okay. And I remember like, what song was it? I don't know why I now. can't remember, but every, yeah, every commercial break for the yeah. NHL playoffs is like, betray you, betray you, betray you. Yeah, that so that fucking sick. So that all came from that that rooted from Brandon. So in our time off when we were on hiatus a little bit, um, Brandon in particular started really getting into doing sync writing with people. Which for mm-hmm. anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that is, it's it's writing stuff for like TV, you know, uh, shows and commercials, movies, uh, for sports, you know, just for just the new anything anything that's on you know, the public is listening to on like a grand scale that it's for putting that in the background. Um, you know, he's done stuff for like dancing with the stars and the bachelor and, uh, all kinds of huge stuff nice. and it's, it's been pretty successful at it. So when we were doing our last album in our wake, he came to the table, with the idea where he was like, look guys, like I've had a lot of success with the sync stuff. Why don't we write a Treyu song that is like a sync style where we gear it towards sports yeah. and things like that. So that's where the, the time is now came from. And it's, you know, it was one of those things being one of the most successful songs we've ever had in our career ever. I mean, on our, it's the most streamed song yeah. by far we've ever had. It's our number one. You go to Spotify, like time is now just crushed out everything we've ever done in our whole career. Yeah. Um, and it's, it got us a deal with the NFL really where cool. they played it at, at least once at every single game, including uh, the Super Bowl, everything, every single game that season they played it. Got picked up basically wow. by every sport. Um, and the NHL was playing it every game. NBA. Yeah, I remember hearing baseball. it at Bruins games. Yeah, and then um, who was it? The Columbus was it Columbus Blue Jackets? I think the year that they went for the first time or something like that to the um, which was in 2019, they went to the Stanley Cup and won it. Yeah, and that I was, I was coincidentally yeah. that was their song that they were using when they would come out on the ice and stuff. And it was like, and you're, you know, you're a Blue Jack. And they'd wow. come out and it was like, you know, the time is now. And they'd come out and that was their thing. So we're like, man, the Stanley yeah. Cup winning team was using That's our song. So we were getting even more play because they, they were making their way through the playoffs and just got, you know, it just kept right, the season right. going for us. See, we had. <laughs> We had savages land with the Yankees for their playoff run, but um, one they got—I think they got bumped in the second round. But it was like it, I'm from Boston; it was really difficult for me yeah. to uh, have the Yankees 
like be rooting for them to continue winning so that they would keep playing our song. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a double-edged sword there. You're like, I don't, I don't know what to do right. here, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to quietly right. cheer for the Yankees. <laughs> All right. Um, well, listen, that's a lot about the new album. That was great. Um, sure. I'm really excited. What was the date? It's at June 6th again, right? June, June 4th. It'll June be 4th, yeah, Friday, sorry. June 4th. No worries. Very much looking forward to it. If you haven't heard the new singles, go check them out. Warrior and underrated. And um, save us as well. We got a, Yes, it's uh, on, underrated. It's on. Underrated's not really been like pushed as a single, but save us and under and um, warrior us. both were like on radio and stuff like that. Underrated's like a little bonus treat. Man, I loved underrated. Thank you. That main yeah, it's riff a fun is one. like just real fun. That's gonna, yeah. That, I feel like that's a live song. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, it's a super fun. It's one of those ones. As soon as we you know like it came together, we we're like, oh yeah, this is yeah, this is this is uh, we're stoked that this came together. Yeah, very cool. All right, well, listen, I don't want to keep you too much longer because we went on for a while about that. Let's kind of jump in. Um, actually, I wanted to – let's do a quick like kind of a bridge history, and I'll, and I'll ask it like this instead of um, going through in detail. Let's just kind of go through phases, and I want to ask you kind of like, you know, what were your – what are your like most memorable tours that you were on throughout the years? Cause you've got, you've had such a great career, like spanning, uh, you know, so many different, like I would say eras of music and, and you've gotten to pass through so many like different styles of tours and different like fads and everything. I'm just kind of curious, like what time frame was like, you know, the most inspiring to you or where, where were you having the most fun? What, what were the most memorable, uh, moments and stuff, you know? Um, for me, I mean, a lot of it's been pretty fun. A lot of it's a blur, but uh, yeah, I, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, a lot of the fun doing stuff like Australia is super. The first time we ever played Australia was super fun. Like that was like every show was sold out. Um, you know, we're you know never been to this country before, and you roll in and like we. Yeah. I remember we were playing this show in Melbourne um, at the. I can't remember the name of the venue. When was set, this? What year? This was like two thousand five yeah okay. 2005 so we were we were touring the curse at the time and we were doing our first uh first world headlining tour uh with unearth and norma jean and um scars of tomorrow mm. i think was on the u.s portion of it but the other two bands were on the rest of the world stuff and all I'm those like guys are really certain i went to that okay it was that was it was called the uh thickest thieves tour yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I'm Australia, sure I, I did, it was, it probably hit Avalon in Boston or something. Yeah. yeah I don't even remember, to be honest. It's fucking, <laughs> I, my yeah, memories anyway, from that sorry. tour are almost <laughs> non-existent to be honest. Like I, I remember a little flashes of, <laughs> of being on tour in Australia with that tour. And, and in Melbourne in particular, I remember the show was just, you know, when you, when you tour in Australia, it's kind of not doing this as much as it was, but they would split shows up into underage shows and, and above age. So it was like anyone who was like under 18 oh. years old or something like that, you'd have to play like a daytime show and you'd have the night off. And then the next day you'd play like a nighttime show for the 18 and over crowd. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, it was really weird. So we played two, we were playing like two nights in a lot of places and you know, the daytime one, usually the younger crowds in particular are like just the craziest. Like when you, when you attract like a teenage crowd, like those are the wildest fans in in anything you do, and they're just so rabid. And like I remember, us, the show was just insane. And we right. got off stage, and they opened up the back door, and we had a van parked out back that we had to like run and jump in because there were so many people huddled around the van. We felt like the Beatles wow. or something. We were like, "Holy shit, what is this?" 
we'd never experienced <laughs> anything like that before, That's you know? Crazy. So we had to like jump in the van. People were banging on the windows and stuff and cheering. And as we were driving Whoa. away, everybody that was like walking down the street or around us that was at the show all just started like clapping for us as we were and cheering as we were all driving away. We're like, this is what? wild. This is absolutely wild. Holy like shit. I've never to that's this day, that's still one of the craziest shock. things. Yeah. One of the, one of the craziest things we've ever happened to our band, as far as like a famous, like crazy thing where people were like treating, like getting, you know, crazy for us for being, you know, famous or whatever. It's, it's, yeah. It was wild. Wow. I mean, but that, even that era, that's like wild. 2006 taste of chaos. That was the first time we ever did an arena tour, which was like mm-hmm. the coolest thing in the world. If you're in a band and you're touring arenas, you on you're stoked. The 06 one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, uh, what is it, with mm-hmm. Deftones and Thrice, Story of the Year, yeah, As It Lay Dying, so Dredge. Sick. Dude, that, that, that tour. That was such a cool lineup. It's super unique. And like for us, like last highlight, highlight story of that tour, the very last day of the tour, it was in Toronto, Canada, I think. And on stage during, so the band Dredge, I don't know, are you familiar with Dredge? I love Dredge. I fucking okay, so love that band. Dredge is seems like they're one of these bands that is so incredible, but only people in bands like Dredge. If you're not in a band, people are like, ah, whatever. Yeah. If you're right. like, but if you're a musician, you're like, this is the most incredible band ever. And like when you we watched them play every day, we were the only ones watching them play every day. Like it was like the crowd didn't really care, but like our everybody in the bands were all on the mm-hmm. side of the stage. Or uh, my buddy Scott Lloyd, who was on tour with us at the time him and I would just get stoned and go sit up at the top of the, the arena in the very, very back and where it was like closed off or whatever. And we just yeah. sit there and watch dredge every day. Cause it was awesome. And, um, the very <laughs> last, the very last day of the tour dredge while they were playing, we arranged this whole thing where they brought a table out onto the stage and they had chairs around it. And it was like dudes from all different bands, from the Deftones, from Thrice, from, you know, as the story, the story of the year and as late dying, like everybody was sitting around the table, smoking joints and blunts while playing fucking CeeLo. That's incredible. So just sitting on stage That's and there's just incredible. a giant crowd watching That's you do amazing. this. We're like, this is just like one of the most like, like just weird experiences that you just are just even more out of the normal than just being God, on tour, you know, like playing a so show. Fun. Yeah. Just cool shit like that where you're like, this that is like, so what a cool way to end the tour. Yeah. Just sitting on stage with like fucking Steph Carpenter, like passing him a joint, you know, and, and you know, as I'm rolling the dice and yeah. stuff here for whatever, while dredge is playing around us. I mean, we're literally surrounded by this incredible yeah. band in front of fucking 10,000 <laughs> people, you know, it's just so surreal and strange, but a very That's cool so experience. Sick. You know, we did a, I know I've told this story multiple times because people ask me about it on the podcast, but we did a similar thing on the last day of the first tour I was on where, um, they, we built in a set for my quote unquote solo project, which is called Joe eats pasta. And I set up a table on the stage and for five minutes, just eat a bowl of pasta while people serve me wine and like drinks and like make crack pepper and shit. And that's it. And then the set ends. And there's never any talking or anything. It's never addressed. That's great. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Big fan of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's super that's fun. Great. What else? Keep going. These are great. Um, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm Yeah. Going. <laughs> no, I remember going to Japan for the first time in 2005 with Unearth and Norma Jean. And uh, at the time, and even I think they still do it now, Unearth was like really big on beer bongs or chongers, you know? Okay. So like they would, um, you know, 
on stage they'd be playing and like to just be doing beer bongs they'd you know stop and do a beer bong real quick and they'd have guests <laughs> appearances come up and do beer bongs and we've we've done this with them you know on many occasions but when you do it in japan you know it's cool because like the beer on the rider is like asahi or kirin or like the stuff that's like the important yeah, stuff when you're yeah. eating sushi or something like that like to be like all right i gotta go on stage in tokyo right now with the guys from unearth and i have to chong a fucking asahi in front of a bunch of fucking fa- it was just like <laughs> this is so like this is so cool and weird and random like what is this man but um do you feel you- like like that's that style of like touring is I, I mean i don't know if i feel like bands still like party like that like they used to it on doesn't tour feel or maybe like i'm it. just old now i don't know i don't know maybe maybe yeah i don't know like i mean like when i'm on tour you know, as of the past few years or whatever, like, like we party a little bit here and there, but definitely not like we used to, you know, definitely not like we did yeah. when we were in our twenties and in the early two thousands, we were a lot more rowdier then and a lot drunker and just doing stupid things. I mean, there's so many situations where like, right. I've, like there's times in Australia where I've like gone off with people. Like I've met groups of people and I go off with them and like, I don't even know how I got back. Like, I don't even know where I was. Like, right, I don't know right. the train systems out there. Like, I don't know anything. I don't, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. we didn't have the technology. Like mm-hmm. we had, I didn't have like an iPhone. I could just look up the, the directions. Like I was just fucking wandering <laughs> the cities, you know, like, and someone would just be like, yeah, just go down the street over there. There's a train station. Just get the train to here. And then over there i'm like okay i hope that leads me to the bus or the, the plane or i mean yeah, i remember our um our the guitar player travis the first time we were in australia um all of us had to get up every morning to fly to the next show at like super early like five you know four or five in the morning or something like that to like mm-hmm. get everybody you know together and off you know to the to the airport in time to get to the show in time right. and be able to play that night and um I our guitar player travis i think he disappeared with I don't know some young ladies that he'd met or something like that. They went partying somewhere and uh, like, he didn't show up to like, I mean, literally like the half the vehicles had left. We were about to just leave his passport on the, uh, with the, with the people at the front desk and be like, Hey man, you're just gonna have to figure out your way to the next show. Um, and we're going right. to have fucking Ken and buzz from unearth are going to play our songs for you. Um, cause we just need to do something, you know? And luckily That's like crazy. the, I mean, well, like the fucking right. last second he, he showed up, you know, we, you know, threw him in a taxi <laughs> and got him out there, but yeah, like just stuff where like, wow. dude, what like again, like we're like, where did he go? Like, I don't think he yeah, even I don't knows, feel like that you know? stuff happens as much. Yeah, it's right. just not it's <laughs> it's very tame. Yeah, nowadays, like I feel like I mean, also too, everyone in my band is, you know, married and some of them have kids and things like that. So it's it's just, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's just mellow. Even we're just older, like my guts aren't what they used to. Like I can't drink and eat like I used to. I'll just end up shitting my pants or something. Right. You know? I can't I don't really drink anymore at all, like I used yeah. to anyway. Yeah, so. it's just not I don't know. You just, you just, yeah, it's uh, interesting. maybe, maybe once you hit 30, it just stops. And maybe we're, I, I just haven't toured with anyone in, in younger bands, like early twenties yeah, that have that young fire. Yeah. Cause maybe I mean, people are still going. Yeah. It's in there. I think a little bit, you know, I think we're just a little classier about it now. Like we'll just drink some <laughs> wine or something. Or when we were touring with ice nine kills, you know, we had Patrick, who's a fucking master cocktail, um, chef, you know, so like, good. yeah. So like every night it turned, once we like realized this was a thing, we would have Patrick every night or the, the night. So basically the day before whatever show, he'd be like, all right, what do you guys want? You know, we'd be like, um, I don't know. What do you, you know, give some ideas. And yeah. be like, okay, I can make this or this and this. And we'd be like, okay, that sounds great. Let's do a fucking like a New York, you know, New York sour or something like that. Or, and uh, we would then, uh-huh. he'd give us the, all the ingredients that That's we needed so cool. and we'd put them on our writer so that the next day we had everything we needed to make this cocktail. So then he would go play each day. 
And then as soon as he'd get off stage, because we were playing next, he would come and come into our dressing room and be like, I mean, in full stage clothes, just be like, all right, let's go. Like, let's fucking, let's make some cocktails. <laughs> and he'd just be making us these wild cocktails every single night. So we'd be on stage. We had, I mean, in our entire touring uh, career, the most fancy onstage cocktails ever. And everyone's a different every night. Like, That's so it cool. was great. I love that. It was great. And then the last show, which was, um, our, so our, it was like a sold out hometown show at, at um, the House of Blues um here in, in anaheim or whatever mm. um it was basically like all right guys out of all the cocktails what was your favorite you know and, and like he just made us that you know so we just got to drink those all night and it was the new york sours were actually the uh that's so fun um, man i wish i was on that tour i want to tour with you guys i i love touring with people that are that like to have fun <laughs> yeah and don't like take it too seriously yeah no we we, we uh you know Whenever we can, you know, we're always trying to make light of things a little bit. Or, uh, I mean, we used to have when we had three kick drums at one point in time. Um, one of our right. kick drums yeah. was uh, um, was it was a dummy. It was a dummy drum, so there was not. It wasn't being used. It was just for aesthetics to like you know have three three drums mm -hmm. in a row. Uh, but the third one that wasn't being used, um, we had hinges on it so you could lift it up, and inside was a a cooler with alcoholic beverages in it. So like in the middle of of, of we'd be playing a set, <laughs> you know. And we'd be on stage and all of a sudden I'd walk over to the drum and just open up the drum and pull a beer out. And it's like, if you're in the crowd, you're like, what the fuck That's is that? Hilarious. Like, there's, there's beers That's inside so that good. kick drum. Like, cause most people, if you're not in a band and you've never toured or don't know anything about like the behind the scenes of things, like most people see three kick drums up mm -hmm. there. They imagine you're doing the, you, you have three legs up there or something. You're just going nuts. Like, how are you doing that? That's incredible. Yeah. But where a lot of it's just all, you know, it's just for the fucking show, you know? So um, yeah, like stuff like that is. Just, I love that bands have fun. stopped caring about like even faking it anymore, and, and dummy cabs have just disappeared, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it's it's um, whatever like works, that. you know. I mean, us. I mean, our band was a yeah. huge dummy cab band. We were like, uh, when we once like once we could uh, have them, you know. Like at first we had like you know we would have like full stack on stage, and then it turned into having four cabs on each side. Which then eventually was like, all right, like we were doing uh, Taste of Chaos 2006, which, like I was saying, was an arena tour, and uh, big we had stage. the big stage. So we had a six foot drum riser. We had, I think, twenty two guitar cabinets. So I mean, just walls of cabs oh. on each side, and it, like it was just. I mean, I felt like fucking Dan Halen up there, man. It was it was great. It was exactly what I uh, <laughs> yeah. what I wanted and, and needed out of my life <laughs> at, at that point. I wanted to go full Dan Halen. So uh, right. Yeah, even that, even that dude. I mean, <laughs> one of the most epic moments of that tour being the first sound check and like going on stage, and then and our uh, our front of house guy slash tour manager Joe Garlip being like, "All right, Dan, you know, like let's hear your guitar." And it's like, "Oh yeah, like here we go." Like I am for the first time in my yeah. life plugged into the fucking arena speakers, and I get to just jam by myself for a little bit. Like just like Dan, just just treat yourself to this fucking PA, you know, like the biggest amp you could ever play yeah. through kind of shit, you know, and you're like, Oh, this is, this is the dream. Like I fucking made it. Just, I remember just standing on the stage, just, just riffing, just looking around and like just trying to soak it all in. Cause it was just such an, a, a surreal experience. Yeah. yeah Do you remember the, the show, the first show on that? I don't, I don't remember that that tour is such a blur. Like I don't like partied so hard. I don't really remember very much of like the actual like shows to be honest i can just remember like flashes right. i remember our bus you know like i remember that we had two buses on that tour which is the stupid i mean it was the funnest thing ever but it was the financially the stupidest thing we could possibly do we weren't even we weren't even headlining we weren't even second from the top like we were a couple down and no other bands <laughs> had two buses except for us 
So, I mean, like, if like, <laughs> it was just dumb. Yeah. But we, I mean, we had condo bunks and we were just living. We had a party bus and a non-party bus. Living so we kind of split, we split oh, it up wow. accordingly. Like the more mellow guys were on one bus, all the rangers were on mm-hmm. the other bus. And um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> I mean, at one point in time, um, the spo- the tour was sponsored by Rockstar Energy Drink. So there was two guys out with us uh, that went by Snake and Spider. That was their, uh, Craig and Jordan. They went by Snake and Spider. That's the names we gave them. About... Oh, two thirds of the way through the tour when there was about two weeks left the rockstar because they're under this umbrella of a bunch of other brands they had this this stuff called effin vodka that um that they had access to for free so they brought two cases of it um just for us just for a trade to have which was 24 bottles mm-hmm. full size mm-hmm. bottles of vodka for two weeks of left to tour They're like here you go guys and we fucking cleared it all out before that tour was over. I mean, we it was gone. All 24 <laughs> bottles. It was ridiculous. We had – because bands would come up to party with us, and we'd just be like, instead of here's a cocktail, here's an entire bottle. Like, you and your band just fucking crushed right, that right, right now. Right. So it was just – I mean, it just uh, – hence yeah. why I don't remember most oh, of that man, tour. That it was just a blur. Blast. Yeah, it was, it was just – it was, was so wild. Was that one of the best ones? That was one of the best ones. I mean, that's, that's where we were like – It feels like a mini warp tour. Yeah, I mean, doing arenas is just epic, and there wasn't too many bands to where it was like overwhelming. Um, it, it's just fun. The right. crowds are so big and stuff, and like it, it was just playing an arena. It's like you know, it's that happy medium between a club and playing giant outdoor festivals, which are also super epic. But like mm-hmm. um, you know, those big crowds at a festival, it, shit kind of gets lost. The sound just kind of disappears off in the distance. Whereas the arena, you kind of at least you, you know you still have some sort of like I'm inside, and there's some sort of even even though it's huge it's like oh, it's kind of like a club but like just right. a really 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 yeah. really really big one i have yet to experience it Ho- hopefully soon we were supposed oh, I'm sure to you do guys will finger tour but that got canceled um so, it's gonna be yeah, is it canceled I, I think or so. hopefully fingers crossed yeah you will uh, it was postponed and then got rescheduled and then got I don't, I actually have no idea. I don't know if it's getting rescheduled again, but hopefully, I mean, that'd be really cool to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a huge tour. Um, yeah. All right. Well, listen, man, I, I, that, that's a lot. We won't, we don't even have to really do tour stories unless you have one lined up because you just told us a bunch of them. Um, 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 not, I mean, not myself. um, let's see, what do I got? I mean, I, I'll give you one quick one. Okay. Let's do uh, it. so our first day of Ozfest. 2004 was our very first Ozfest. The day before mm-hmm. the tour starts, uh, they have like a, a sound check for every band. So the whole tour is there, and everyone's partying and stuff. Shad- the band Shadows Fall came out because it was in Connecticut. I, I want to say it was the first show. Oh, okay. And Sh- Shadows Fall came out, and they shot a music video there because all these bands were there, and they could just be in the video and have that like everybody in these bands in the video partying, oh, you know, bros cool, yeah. vibe. <laughs> so. We already sound checked that day. We were on the second stage, and main stage was starting to sound check. So all the second stage bands were over partying with Shadows Fall. So while this is going down, I'm you know it's sponsored by Jaeger. I'm drinking my Jaeger. I'm getting all hammered. And on that particular tour, on that Ozfest, you had Black Sabbath, um, you had Judas Priest, Slayer, Slipknot, Lamb of God, Hatebreed. I mean, it was just stacked. I mean, it was such Holy a stacked shit. tour. Um, and I'm a big wow. fan of like, you know, 70s, 80s, like metal rock stuff and whatnot, especially at that time. And Judas Priest was getting ready to sound check. And somebody, I don't remember who it was, but somebody came mm-hmm. up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, Dan, uh, just a heads up, Judas Priest is about to sound check. Um, do you want to go check it out? I was like, holy shit, yes, of course. So I go into the amphitheater 
and there's nobody in the amphitheater except for the the front of house guys that are are you know taking care of their sound it's a completely empty amphitheater and i just went set in the very center front row seat by myself and watched judas priest play an entire set in their like pajamas (laughs) they played their whole set like i just got to sit there and watch judas priest playing like a set just for me I was like, this is crazy. Like, this yeah, is like, this is like the so kind of shit sick. people literally like have a, like a weird dream about. They're like, dude, I had this weird dream last night where I was at right. a Judas Priest concert, but there was like nobody there. And it was just me. I mean, I was, and I was sitting in the front row and like Rob Halford was in his pajamas <laughs> for some reason. It was super strange. Like that, like yeah. that happened. That was like a real thing that happened to me. And it, like, still to this day, I always think about it. I'm like, that's, that's fucking so, so cool. strange. Like, how did I end up in this scenario? Yeah, weird. Do you shit, ever man. think those guys were like, "Who the fuck is this dude?" Like staring at us, yeah, just drooling you. over over their riffing and stuff. <laughs> you know, just every guitar solo, just like, oh my god, man, like just trying to like watch what they're doing, like trying to you know put it up on the big screen, man. Like, let me get some of that. Yeah, but, yeah. Did you ever get a chance to like kick it with those guys at all? Um, I had a brief moment um, in Dallas, Texas. Um, I'll, I'll end it on this cause I gotta go in a second, but I'll end it on this story cause it's, it's kind of neat. Yeah, so, yeah, no so we were on tour with Lincoln park and Chris Cornell all at the same time, which is kind of a really interesting, weird thing. Wow. But, um, we were on, we were on tour with them yeah. for project revolution and we were playing Dallas and we had a day off the day before our show there. So we were in Dallas the day before. And that day at the same venue, it was black Sabbath with Dio singing, um, Testament motorhead mm-hmm. and Judas priest. And our drum tech at the okay. time, um, Norm Costa, um, is was also the drum tech for like Dave Lombardo for years. He was like his main guy for years and years and years and years. Okay, and he also wow. worked with he worked with Testament yeah. for a little while. So he just hit up the Testament guys. They got us in. Uh, as soon as we get to the show, we go right backstage and we start taking shots of Jack Daniels with the Testament guys. I'm like, this is already off to a great start. Uh-huh. Um, so we start with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go out and we watch. Uh, motorhead play from the side of the stage and, and like that was cool i've never seen motorhead play let alone just standing on the side of the stage and i mean obviously yeah. lemmy was still alive and stuff and just watching them fucking crush and i'm like oh this is so sick and then after that we went in the crowd watched black sabbath play with dio that was the only time i've ever got to see dio do anything and it was incredible i mean like he's so yeah. fucking good like i prefer people not some people hate me for saying this but i prefer black sabbath and dio just because he's just he's just a better singer he's <laughs> on, you know i love ozzy don't get me wrong uh-huh. ozzy's incredible too but like i just love me some dio yeah um, i get it you know, yeah, but, you. uh, and then Judas priest, you know, Judas priest, we went and we stood on the side of the stage. I mean, I was right there, like in the exhaust of the motorcycle coming out with, you know, Rob Halford on the motorcycle and shit. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We were standing with his boyfriend and ex-boyfriend, um, who one of them was the security guard, his ex-boyfriend was security guard. Current boyfriend was, um, uh, controlling the laptop, um, scrolling down the lyrics. So Rob Halford has a monitor just to read his lyrics. Cause you know, it's old. It's got a lot of songs, it's got right, a lot of right. years. Like I get it. You know, so Ozzy does the same thing. Yeah, yeah, right. A lot of people do. But yeah, um, yeah so know, after the yeah. show, you know, this whole like, oh my gosh, like we're, we're just so all up in this show. Uh, we went to a strip club afterwards called um, The Clubhouse, which is owned by Vinnie Paul from Pantera. And it was popular with okay. bands because you could get in if you had a laminate, you could get in for free if you were in a touring band. So we knew this and we knew some <laughs> of the girls that we knew some of the girls that worked there because they had toured with us before on another tour with um hell yeah and they were like Vinny would just bring girls out like they would just be out on the tour and like you'd hang out and you'd get to know these people so we went back to the we went to the clubhouse that night 
and there's a table in the back right corner. Every, every band that goes there knows this. You go to the back right table. That's usually where bands hang out. Uh, and I went back there and I sit down and as I'm hanging out back there, we're hanging out with some of these girls that we know. All of a sudden, KK Downing walks in, or sorry, not KK, uh, Glenn Tipton, the guitar, the lead guitar player from Judas Priest, uh, Bobby D, the drummer of Motorhead, and I can't mm-hmm. remember his name, but the keyboard player from Black Sabbath. The three of them come in and they know apparently where uh-huh. to go because they just walked right to the back and sat down right next to me. Right, right. And I'm kind of like, oh my God, like I've never conversed with these people or anything. I didn't know they were coming here or anything like that. So like now I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, holy shit, like fucking Glenn Tipton sitting next to me at a strip club right now. Like, I don't, this is like, (laughs) I'm living the life. Like, here we go. This is it. Uh, And um, that particular um, club is uh, BYOB. So you, you, they don't serve alcohol. They only serve mixers and you just bring your own drinks. You can bring a keg in if you want, just sit it down. Texas, man. Wild. But um, so (laughs) we're sitting in the back, we had beers and stuff that we'd brought and we're drinking and whatnot. And and take uh, Glenn like leans, turns to me and he's like, Hey man, he's like, you know, what do you get a drink around here? And I'm like, Oh, well, it's bring your own you, here. Just here, have a beer. Have a beer, Glenn. Just drink one of my beers. Yeah, it was yeah, cool. Yeah. And he cracks a beer. And um, I told one of the girls, like, come hang out with him. You know, like, this dude's like a legend, you know? So they, you know, this girl's kind of hanging on him, doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, he starts asking me if I, you know, he kind of, you know, nudging me, like, hey, mate, you know, why do you get some cocaine around here? I need to get me some cocaine. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't, uh, I'm like, girls, do you know where to get some cocaine for this dude? Did somebody get this man some cocaine. Like, I, I don't know. And, um, yeah. yeah, so he, you know, after a little bit, I think he fucked off somewhere to go find some cocaine. And then Bobby D came over and took his seat and right. I sat down and talked to Bobby for like, you know, 15 minutes, just gave him a beer, you know, and maybe probably wow. for beers. He said like a rotating group of people, a rotating group of people from that, that, that tour, you know, and I was telling him like, Hey, like I'm that my way of like trying to chat him up. I was like, Hey, I'm playing the venue you're playing tomorrow. I'm in a band as well. You know, and like, they didn't really, to be honest, like Glenn did not really care. He was there for some drugs and women, but yeah, you know, whatever I, it, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. that's cool strange, man. strange encounters wow, what a, that, that, that's really cool well dude that was great um lots of stories in this one this is going to be a popular episode um, yeah i got well, look, i give you any more wrap up any more oh uh, well maybe we'll do it again then sometime yeah, this is fun to do another one i'll, um, I'll lay, lay them on you yeah. All right. Before we wrap up real quick, uh, if you just want to shout out, uh, your social media stuff, I know most people already probably, probably have it, but, um, yeah, shout out your stuff and, and, uh, any news that you want to share about the, the album coming out and then we'll, uh, be done. Sure. Uh, so if you want to find me on anything on, I'm mostly on Instagram. If, if at anything, uh, it's just Dan Jacobs at Dan Jacobs, uh, for Atreyu stuff, it's at Atreyu official is where you'll find most of Treyu stuff. Um, I also have at Rockworld merchandise or Rockworld merch, I should say, if you want to check out any of my um, you know, clothes and things that I make for bands and brands and touring festivals and whatnot. Uh, yeah. And uh, thank you for everyone who uh, we'll supports. We'll put all that and uh, we'll link to all this too cool. in, the, in the bio. We'll have all the links. Cool. Well, cool, man. Thank you so much again for coming on. I appreciate you spending your morning uh, with me. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll chat soon. Yeah, absolutely. Get Good to meet to you. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Take it easy. All right, man. You too. See you later.
you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Down! Around the world. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.